All right. On today's episode, we are going to be joined by Josh Ruffin of the Minnesota Twins front office. He also played college baseball at Duke University. A really exciting story, and we can't wait to get into it. So let's hit the intro music, and here we go. Hello and welcome to this edition of Side Retired. It is Dylan Campione and today we have a very special guest on the podcast. He's a member of the Minnesota Twins front office. He is an assistant director in the player development research department. Josh Roffin, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Of course, no problem. Thank you for having me and thank you for the introduction. Absolutely. And of course, I also have to thank our coach, Coach Thompson, was helping us out and making this all happen. So really appreciate it, Coach T and looking forward to a great interview. But I know I did preface before we hopped on the call this first question that we like to ask all our guests. So the floor is yours to tell us about your baseball journey. Sure. So um, I'll, I'll start way back. So, um, no, I mean, obviously, as just as a kid, uh, my mom, it was her favorite sport growing up. We had two things. We had baseball and then we had college basketball uh, in the household. So it was I played both those sports. Um, but baseball was basically always the clear number one for me. So, um, you know, I played and I always just kept playing cause I was like pretty good. <laughs> and so, um, it was fun. I mean, I got all the way to high school. Uh, I always, you know, viewed myself more of a first baseman outfielder. Um, I liked hitting, I liked, you know, playing the field. Um, I really liked baseball. Um, you know, I was playing up through high school. Uh, and then, uh, when I got to the opportunity to go to college, um, I was kind of hit with the idea of like, can I go to, uh, you know, uh, a stronger academic school that I, you know, could, you know, better my, you know, career path choices going forward? Um, or could I play uh, baseball at a level that would have like been my skill level, right? Mm -hmm. And with that, I just, I had the opportunity to go to Duke and I felt like that was just like a really, really, really good opportunity uh, academically. So I, I sat there and went to Duke and I actually, you know, tried my you know, best and was able to walk on to the baseball team. Uh, the kicker was that I actually walked on as a pitcher um, <laughs> instead of a, you know, fielder hitter as I saw myself. So um, college was fun. So that's where I ended up uh, meeting with Coach T. Um, he was there for my first couple of years. Um, we had the chance to uh, kind of really talk just about baseball and life and stuff. And so we've held that connection kind of going through the years, which has been super awesome. Um, but you know, it was fun for me. I, I was a, a submariner at that point. Um, so I was, we always joked about just like the six, four black guy coming in, throwing submarine base, like what's going on here. Um, but it was fun. It was just like a, it was a really cool way to go and play against some really good competition, played against a, a ton of guys now who are in uh, the major leagues uh, in some capacity or playing. Um, and it was just really fun. Like I knew that was probably the end of my career. I knew there probably wasn't a professional baseball at the end of it for me, but it was just still like a great college experience. I really enjoyed. Um, but what was really cool was at the time I was studying statistics and then of course I was playing baseball. And so I had these two skills. Um, and as we know, like the landscape of baseball has changed and those two skills were now something that I could actually use together in one, um, as a career path. So just kind of give it a quick overview, just coming out of college, I ended up doing some work for a third party company, uh, baseball info solutions now called sports info solutions. Um, and then I ended up, um, uh, also doing an internship year with the tigers, 
Um, but I actually ended up doing about three to four years working as just a government contractor, uh, kind of just doing a data analyst, kind of in probably the least baseball-like jobs possible. <laughs> Um, before about 2019, where I had a chance to kind of come on here and work with our, uh, we call it advanced scouting team. Um, so it was a really fun opportunity. It was to basically take my data analytics skills and then sit there and work um, in the clubhouse with our coaching staff, talking through game day decisions, game day strategy, understanding, you know, how are we using our pin, what are the matchups we're likely to see, uh, kind of really getting at that field level, which was super fun. Um, and then I did that for about three years before I ended up switching over now to the player development role, um, where I'm working a little bit more with our minor league staff um, at the different affiliates. And we're just kind of looking at the long term, if you will, now um, trying to figure out how uh, our players need to develop what you know looks like it's close to major league ready, what skills are preventing them from being major league ready, uh, and then hopefully give a little bit of insights on like what we can do to kind of help those guys progress in their career. So it's been a long journey. I think it's kind of <laughs> one where... I'll just wrap it up to say, like, I, every kid has that aspiration of um, playing in the major leagues. But I think now, especially with just the amount of information and technology that's out there, there are so many more ways to actually be at the major league level than play. Like, obviously, go as long as you can. Uh, but it, it's cool to see all the opportunities now that have kind of popped up in the last, like, 10, 15 years here. Absolutely. I think there's that phrase that when we're all growing up, it's, hey, I want to be the guy on the mound for the final out of the world series and now it's sort of a hey i want to be a part of that team that gets that final out whether it's front office in the dugout and there's just a multitude of different ways to be involved in the organization absolutely i'll tell you right now i don't want to be the guy on the <laughs> it's a stressful job i see what those guys have to do man i, I have more respect to them <laughs> no absolutely but sort of going back to as you mentioned the beginning of your journey you viewed yourself as a hitter and then you get to duke which is obviously one of the most prestigious organizations in college baseball and they say, hey, can you go sidearm pitching? How did how did all of a sudden that development occur? Was it literally at the tryout they said, yeah, you're going to pitch now? Or what was the whole process there? Yeah, it's pretty funny. I mean, I was I had pitched when I was younger. Um, and it was traditional leg lift over the top, like a lower arm slot naturally. Um, but actually really from playing in the infield, um, I was just used to kind of having that, that, that first baseman kind of like turn around and um, – try and get the double play throw over to second base. So you just kind of have to stay low, kind of stay with it. Um, so that happened to just be kind of my natural arm slot. Uh, I just was really comfortable throwing a ball down there. Uh, would play around, you know, just throwing when we're warming up and stuff of just kind of getting into that arm slot and then learn how to throw a slider out, out of that uh, arm slot as well, too. And so at that point, it was like, okay, like this might be a thing <laughs> I could do, but never really took it seriously until um, – like I said, maybe right at the end of uh, high school, the end of my high school year, um, going into college that, that what's that, that summer, um, probably spent a little bit more time actually getting on a mound and just giving it a try and trying to get uh, a little bit more developed at it. Um, so in my first game action was uh, in college. So I had never thrown <laughs> submarine on the mound until I got to college or in a game, but I had been on the mound at least beforehand and had some, some chances to try it out to see if it might actually work. So yeah, it's it's definitely a unique path. I don't think I would recommend it. I think you want a little <laughs> bit more uh, uh, prep before you go out there and do it. But like I said, it was a way to kind of be unique and get onto the team. Um, I think there was like a freshman All American who was playing first base, so I wasn't going to do that. So it was a it was a it was a nice little treat. But again, it was my ticket to get on there, and it, it honestly just helped me learn so much about the game, making that switch. Absolutely. And what was that sort of Duke baseball experience? Like, I know you were part of that organization for a couple of years, whether it was just seeing all the people around you, the coaching staff, other players, or you and self, what you learned. 
No, honestly, it's it's super interesting, right? Like um, Duke is known for basketball, right? And so there's this idea that we're like, you know, good at everything. Um, but, you know, honestly, when we were there, we were probably a middle of the pack ACC team. And so it was a really fun experience in the sense that like every weekend was a contest. Every weekend you were going in there. There were no easy breaks in the conference. You had to compete. Um, you know, even as we were going around and playing across the state, I think one of the things that's cool about college baseball is, you know, when you talk about D1 football versus D2 football versus whatever, like it's, it's pretty stratified. Like it's very clear one side's better than the other. And you get the same thing in basketball too, to a degree. Baseball though, it's really a mix. There are a lot of D2 teams that could hang with some D1 teams. or there's a lot of smaller conference teams that could absolutely bang with some big conference teams. So it was really fun to play around the state of North Carolina, which is just a super strong baseball state. No, um, like and kind of yeah exactly and go against just these like really good programs every week so it was really fun too because i think i got the chance to kind of see um a bit of a transition in the due period but i got to see kind of like hey you know we had a big freshman class with 15 of us coming in and so we had to take some of our lickings when we were younger <laughs> um but then by the time we were uh soft or sorry seniors we actually had were in the acc tournament we were competing we took miami into extras um, before I think they went on to go win the uh, the the tournament, but like we sat there and had uh, got right on the doorstep of getting a bid to the national tournament, and now they go there all the time. So <laughs> it was it was really cool to kind of be part of the foundation that helped to build up to where they're at right now. No, absolutely, I love it. And sort of on that point that you just mentioned, that I think D one, D two, and D three baseball, you're gonna find good players, even JUCO, at any single possible level. Because I know here at Georgetown we experienced it last year, where our closer we picked them up from a random D two school that. And we honest, I'd never heard of the school before he came to Georgetown. He talked all about it and then ended up being our weekend closer dominating. Like you were just hanging out in D2 and now you're a dominant D1 closer. So that's always a fun experience to see in the baseball world. It's it's wild. I think it's just it's an amazing thing to how baseball is just different from other sports where like, yeah, there's a size component to it, but it's such a skill sport that these guys like, you know, they might be late bloomers or they might have had like whatever academic stuff, but like once they get that figured out and are competing, you realize those are great places to develop. And then you get to a place like Georgetown and then you get to really develop, which is super cool. So no, that's awesome. Absolutely. And then sort of following on that path. So as you mentioned, once you were playing college ball, you sort of figured, all right, this is probably the end of my journey. I'm not going to be a big league pitcher at some point soon. So how quickly did you know, hey, I'm going to try to get, whether it's with the Tigers or the independent organization, I want to work in baseball after I graduate. <laughs> so the joke I tell people is, uh, so while I was at Duke, I was there with Marcus Stroman, right? Mm -hmm. And I sat there and, you know, walked onto the team. I'm feeling pretty good about myself, pre pretty good about myself. If I believe in myself, work hard, I can make anything happen, right? And I got to tell you, I saw Stroman throw about like two bullpens and it was very quickly like, okay, that's what a pro <laughs> looks like. <laughs> you can work as much as you want, but you're not going to do that. And you're like, oh, I get it. I get it. Um, but no, I mean, it was one of those where like, I think, you know, knowing that I was coming from a less traditional path of making it into baseball. And so being a walk on and then having to kind of, you know, not, not really play a lot in terms of games practicing. Sure. But not getting a, a ton of game run. Um, I think early on, I had the benefit of being able to kind of like start to look into the different paths of baseball that are out there um, because it's very hard. Like there's, there's definitely no kind of resources, at least at the time when I was in school to kind of like let you know that these things are possible. But like the idea of like what it takes to kind of get into coaching and get into player development and get into all these different roles that work within the baseball world. 
um, it's definitely better now, right? And it's it's pretty good. So for me, I was lucky because I actually ended up talking to a graduate student when I was in school, and he uh, he had an internship at MLB. I was like, that's pretty cool. I could work in MLB. Uh, and then I applied, did not get that one, but I got another one. Um, and that kind of just started the course. And then it was just kind of like, wait a second, like I have this skill set, I have, you know, this baseball knowledge that you're working on. I think that's one thing to tell players too, especially like the experience that you have playing baseball is an asset. Like it is something that you can capitalize on, um, in some realm, you know, after your playing days are over. Uh, and so that's kind of one of the motivations I had was just to be like, I did all this stuff and learned all about this game. Like, how do I make it into something that's now my livelihood? Uh, and lo and behold, we found a way. <laughs> no, absolutely. And I know one of the big questions in baseball now, it seems like there's two dividing spheres of you've got the analytics and then you've got this quote unquote eye test. And I think the traditional baseball players tend to lean on the eye test version. And then obviously you have the statistics guys that are on the analytics side. You have both of them in your background as a former player who has a statistics major. So how have you Obviously, maybe it's while you're playing, but now even more so now that you're working in baseball front offices, blended those two mindsets that are often criticized as not being able to work together. I it's it's honestly one of the things that I think helps me to succeed um, is to kind of be that um, in between piece. I tell people um, in terms of understanding the game or even understanding the math that we do here, like we're not rocket scientists, right? Like we're not, we're not, we're not doing anything that's really tough. Like you can learn a lot of what we're doing, probably taking like one or two years of college classes, right? The big thing that's a separator is being that communicator piece between the guys who are calculating stuff and then the guys who are using stuff. I think that's kind of where I get to shine, which is what I really like about my job. Um, but also what kind of helps people succeed in this, because it is, it's one of those where you do have the eye tests. And let me tell you, like, I will tell you, like, both sides are right, both sides are wrong. Like, there are times where what we can calculate and kind of provide down to the field is, you know, we're pretty firm on it. And we say, this is what we think is right. And there's other times where we take that feedback from the coaches, they sit there and they go, I hear what you're saying, but this and we're like, oh, you're right. Yep, yep, yep. So, you know, adjust as you need to. So, uh, kind of being in that in-between space and learning how to balance the two and understanding kind of like, hey, have we accounted for that? Oh, hey, is this something that he sees that we can't capture? Uh, and knowing how those pieces fit together, that's kind of like, I would say it's the big puzzle of my day-to-day. -day. That makes it really fun and enjoyable so I can use those both sides. I love that because I know everyone gets scared by watching Moneyball and you see the old school scouts like the metrics we go by are the hotness of the girlfriend. And then you have all of a <laughs> yep. sudden Jonah Hill comes in and running calculations. So it's great to hear that MLB front offices are not exactly like the Moneyball movie trying to portray them as. <laughs> it's I will tell you, like it can be contentious from time to time, which is super <laughs> interesting, especially when it comes to like the draft, because like there's less information for amateur mm -hmm. kids. Um, but yeah, exactly. It's, it's nice to know that we've kind of figured it out and kumbaya and found a way to come and be able to talk to each other now and, and be more productive. Absolutely. Now I've got to ask because you played baseball, you then started working in baseball and then there was like a complete pivot 180 to the government side of things. How did all of a sudden you said, you know what, we're going to have a complete career change and then eventually worked your way back to baseball. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, I, it was one of those where it was by choice, but not by choice. Um, so I, um, so the first thing first is actually my other connection to Georgetown is that I'm from the DC area. Yeah. Uh, and my mom actually taught at Georgetown in the ROTC program. So I've always been a bit of a Hoya fan from afar. Don't you worry. <laughs> um, but uh, being from the area, it was kind of one where when I went to my first internship, 
um, and there were no full-time positions available, um, I had to find some type of work, right? Um, and then kind of just like with the way the baseball season works, like there are kind of win hiring windows. Um, and then I was actually kind of freed up um, uh, during a time where like teams were not hiring because it was still in season. They had more important mm -hmm. things to worry about, right? Um, so it was kind of one of those where it was out of necessity. But the reason I chose the jobs that I did was simply because I could be back at home, which was super nice. So the D.C. area just naturally has a little bit more government opportunities. But then uh, the second part is uh, I could hone my analyst skills, if you will. Uh, one of the nice things about being a data analyst is uh, a lot of the techniques and things that you do with the data that you have. Uh, it's actually pretty similar, no matter what you're talking about. There's always that room for uh, subject matter expertise that really helps. Um, but, you know, I was working on, what's it? Uh, I was working on Navy pay and personnel systems. I was working on uh, Army small business uh, spending. And then I was working on USDA, uh, the food stamp program. Um, we were doing a fraud detection. Um, so, you know, just an eclectic mix of things, but if, weirdly enough, like the, the, the statistical background that I have allows me to kind of link all of them because a lot of the techniques that I'm using and, and tools and skill sets that I'm using are actually the same. So part of, to, answer, to go back to answer your question, why did I do that? It's because I like paychecks. Um, <laughs> I like being able to eat and I like being able to, have to go do things. So when I wasn't able to get a job in baseball, I kind of turned to say like, what's something that would keep me sharp while also allowing me to get paid? Absolutely. I love it. And then obviously you did end up finding your way back into the area that you love and know with the Minnesota Twins. How have the past couple of years been like with the organization, as you said, started in one department and now you've jumped over to another? Yeah, no, I, I will say uh, putting it on record, um, when I was in the clubhouse and I was working with the team directly, we hit the most home runs in baseball history. We were making the playoffs. We were we were cruising high and then they moved me up here and then you know, got a little sour, <laughs> but um no it's it's been fun because i think one thing that's really cool is like again coming from the player side i knew a lot about the game of baseball and so you get working in advance you get a lot of focus on just like what do i need to do to win this game and that's so fun and it's so intense and it's so cool um but obviously there's a business of baseball too right there's a, there's an understanding of how an organization works how do we get the life cycle of a player coming into our organization, developing, becoming a major league piece and, you know, and beyond or whatever. Right. Um, and so for my personal benefit, I've really grown from the ability to kind of move, excuse me, away from just the on-field decisions and kind of understanding a little bit more of like the organizational decisions that are going on. Because, you know, we work with our amateur team uh, to try and get a sense of like, hey, what are we good at fixing? What are we not good at fixing? So they understand that when they're selecting people during the draft or signing people internationally. Um, you know, we talk to our major league squad to say like, hey, what do you guys see that like our guys aren't really up to par on? And how do we factor that into like our training methods? So like one thing for the twins, if you look us up and everyone knows this, if you look us up, we ain't no base runners. <laughs> we, <laughs> we, we got some base cloggers on this team. Um, so, you know, we're trying to sit there and take advantage of, of that feedback that we're getting from the major league team to say, well, how do we train our guys to still be, you know, out here hitting, hitting with power, hitting for damage, but then also be able to be threats on the base path as well. Right. Um, yeah. So it's been really, really cool to kind of just like see the inside of the org, but like kind of all angles of it as I've kind of moved away from just worrying about the games themselves um, to then now worrying about like, how does a baseball organization work? Oh, I love it. Absolutely. And I remember one of the big things with the Twins is obviously Carlos Correa. I will say I grew up a Mets fan. So last offseason, we definitely had 
an interesting two-week stretch where you guys were losing him and then <laughs> we took him and then he ended up back in your lap so definitely a fun experience there but sort of for our twins fans who might be listening to this episode what's the outlook on the 2024 team how are you expecting things to turn out and obviously finally beat that elusive streak of getting that postseason win last year so hoping to go even farther in 2024. I know it's we're we're riding high. I, I you know I'm pretty excited. I think um, there's a couple of things to be said. I think you could even see it looking at this year's postseason. Um, you know the team on paper. You're looking at it and you sit there and you say like, oh, we could improve this, we could improve that, we could whatever, yada yada. Um, it's a really good team, right? It made the playoffs last year. It did industry. It actually went further than we expected. Won a game against the Astros, which feels pretty nice. Um, but I think what's really cool is like, it's a team that's actually built to do pretty well in the postseason. Um, you know, we play in not the best division. Um, <laughs> so there's a little bit of kind of understanding, like we're not necessarily having to, uh, you know, I'll say, uh, dump the clip to try and win every game as if we were kind of playing the AL East. Um, and that allows us to kind of take a different approach to how we build our roster and how we construct our team and understand that, like, we have these aspirations of building a team that's obviously good enough to get to the playoffs, but also good enough to win in the playoffs, which is a different game than regular season baseball. Um, so I'm pretty excited. I think we've been able to kind of make some moves. I'm so sad that we had to move Jorge Polanco. He was probably my my one of my favorite guys <laughs> in my time here working with him. He was just a great human and a great player. Um, but I'm also pretty excited as a player development guy for a couple of the prospects that we got back to work with. Right. So um, I'm, I'm pretty excited. I think we're we're in a pretty good spot to compete and win in our division again. I think we're in a pretty good spot to make some noise in the playoffs. And, you know, part of it is just getting hot. So we'll see if uh, if that's our number this year. And if not, we will uh, we will upgrade and do it again next year. Absolutely. I love it. And obviously, a lot of the fans know names like Correa, Buxton, Edward Julian, Royce Lewis. But as a player development guy. Are there any people in the organization, whether it's someone at a major league impact right now or someone that's in the system that you say, hey, I, I keep an eye out for this guy potentially doing some good things in the future? Oh, that's a good one. OK, so my sleeper and I'm probably cheating a little bit, <laughs> but my sleeper is Matt Canarino. Um, yeah. He's a guy who's had a few injuries. Um, he's been a starter. Um, had a few injuries. There's a chance that um, in, to kind of help him stay healthy this year, we kind of move him to a reliever. But in terms of the stuff that he has, absolutely electric. He's a swing and miss monster. He's he's herky. He's jerky. It's tough to pick up as a hitter. Um, he's a guy who, if we can kind of get him healthy, uh, I think he's was used to be ranked pretty highly on our on our you know prospect list, but just with the injuries, has kind of fallen. So I think he's been forgotten. But in terms of a guy that you might see towards the end of the year who's pitching for us in um, August and September, um, probably in some leveraged innings at the end of the game. Uh, I think there's a good chance that Matt Canarino could be a guy that pops out of nowhere and has a, a pretty good start to his career. I love that. Absolutely. And speaking of relievers that have lethal stuff, I know when you mentioned earlier that when you watch Marcus Stroman throw a bullpen, you're like, all right, I get the difference between myself <laughs> and him. What's it like watching John Duran? Because I see you see that like splitter that goes 100 miles an hour. Oh. Like, I can't do that or even fathom doing that no oh, we call it the splinker we uh okay. <laughs> we we with the splitter he he's he's got his fingers wide on it but i it's just so fast and so so much downward action out of his hand um it's funny it uh, honestly you know it's kind of one of those things he's such a big guy that 
it doesn't look effortant sometimes that mm -hmm. you almost don't appreciate it. Like you're just kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, he popped 102. And you, but he doesn't look like he's kind of like just laboring down the mound. Um, but I think the thing that's about like, I, I've, I've always had this theory, like baseball, we need to get on the football program and get some tights. We need to get <laughs> some slimming, whatever. I know the traditional garb is a little baggy, but some these guys are monsters, right? Like these guys are huge guys. Yon Durana, I think is about like six four, six five. He's built as thick as a horse. And it's just watching him throw a baseball, his hands just swallowing it up. It's just so funny. Like you, it's hard to almost appreciate unless you're standing next to him, but he's just so big. Um, but for to see how smoothly he moves down the mound and just to see how easily it comes off of his hand, it's really cool. It's really cool. And he's a he's a guy who's kind of always had the power arm um, and was originally a starter. But we've been able to kind of like sit there and like turn him into a reliever, but still give him multiple weapons that have come from his starter days and allow him to use those in uh, closing situations. So he's just a player that's super exciting because you just you can't help but like see the ceiling when you look at him like it's it's. <laughs> amazing watching him throw 100 percent, and i know each week here on cider tide we get all the co-hosts together and we do our top 10 rankings at each position we do have the reliever list coming up soon so i can Ooh. say with confidence he's likely going to be pretty high up on that list if i do say so i know <laughs> i might have a little met bias when it comes to the trumpet but john is going to be up there pretty high too cool walk-up song too on his behalf well, that's what I was going to say. You need to do a ranking because then those two are firing out for uh, for intro, for uh, closer <laughs> intro, because both of those were pretty awesome. I loved it. When the Mets came to town, it was great. They did the intro for oh, yeah. Duran on their broadcast better than we did. So we <laughs> learned from them from that, which was super cool. So, no, it's it's uh, it's really fun. I mean, these guys, again, like you said, like it's they make stuff look so easy that it's really, really hard mm -hmm. to fully appreciate how good they are, but there is something about having that opportunity to work with them in person and seeing kind of the behind the scenes stuff, but then also just seeing it up close and personal. Like it's 102 fastball is the silliest thing I've ever seen. It's, <laughs> it's a fired out of a cannon. It doesn't make any sense. And the fact that these guys can do that and have an idea of where it's going, unbelievable. Well, that does segue us perfectly into, we have our three rapid fire questions here to throw at you to round things off. And of course, the first one that we love to answer or have our guests answer because the different, I don't know, you're about to find out. The question is, <laughs> what's your walk-up song if you were to be playing in the major league? Oh. Right now? There's oh. a lot of varying answers. And this ends up being the question people think about the most on the entire show because maybe it gives insight into your personality or something funny, but you're entering the game. You're a reliever coming from the sidearm. John Duran just pitched the eighth because obviously you're getting the ninth inning here for the twins. What's blaring oh. on the sirens? Oh man, dude. It's, it's, <laughs> you don't understand. So I'm like a music, not like a huge music guy mm -hmm. in terms of like, I'm good at it, but a huge music guy. And like, I love listening to it. And so my, my Spotify playlist is basically just a bunch of songs that will all be my, my walkout. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I will give you this to give you an answer. Um, so in college, it was the A-Track remix, A-Track's remix of Hedge Will Roll by the Yeah, Yeah, Yes. And I kind of liked it because number one, absolute banger. That song's electric <laughs> and, and it gets the crowd going. Um, but I also love, too, that it was like off with your head. And as a submariner righty, guess which way I was missing? <laughs> and a lot of arm side misses. So I was very likely I was going to hit somebody. Um, so a little tongue in cheek there. But no, for me, my inspiration was always... Um, 
the Grant Balfour intro uh, mm -hmm. with Metallica with the A's and just seeing the crowd go crazy. Like that's one of those things when I'm just like riding a high of like, you know, working out or running or anything like that's the moment I imagine. Um, so I have so many songs. I mean, Bad Bunny is going to be up there somewhere. Um, God, there's so many. I think the one right now I, I can I can be the best I can do is give you the one right now. Uh, and I don't know if it's a uh, it, apologize for cursing, but it's a uh, hot, yeah. hot ish, hot <laughs> shit um, by uh, Tokyo. Uh, and it's just one of those songs where it just grows and grows and grows. So I just imagine crowds just getting more <laughs> frenetic as I'm coming in and slowly walking and striding to the mound. So, yeah, it's I love this question. I, I think about it like <laughs> I think about it at least three times a week about what I would do and what I would give to have that moment of running out and just having like the lights and the music and the sounds going. <laughs> oh, I love it because I know that's especially being around the Georgetown baseball team. We have our first games in 10 days and this is the time of year that they're all throwing ideas out there. They're blown yeah. on the system 24 seven. Cause that's a big thing for baseball players to decide on what's going to be their walk-up song for the year. And I know that always gets some fun answers out of everyone that cops on the podcast. Uh, it, it occupies my brain way more than it should <laughs> as a, as a person out of college of like, uh, I wish I could go back in time and redo my song <laughs> and go, but it's so fun. And it's like, it's one of those things. It's a small touch. It's a way to show your personality. I'm just glad that baseball's like really leaning into this type of stuff. Cause it's great. Absolutely. hundred percent. And then the second one we have for you is could be a tough one as well. I know maybe we have to change the rapid fire name because they're <laughs> fun stories, but your favorite baseball interaction you've had, it could be in college, could be with the twins, could be somewhere else, but some point in your journey that you met someone or something happened to you that you're like, wow, this is really cool. Oh, okay. I I'm going to try and give the short version of the story. <laughs> um, the actual interaction itself was pretty short. Um, mm -hmm. uh, but so I got to go on my first major league road trip. Okay. Um, and we got to fly the very first place that we were flying was Seattle. Um, so I got to ride on the team plane, which of course is just as nice as you think it is. <laughs> um, the, the joke I tell is like, what I loved was like, they came and my dinner was a bacon wrap sirloin with like roasted vegetables and like potatoes and stuff. And I'm like trying to figure out how they got to open flame on this plane because it tasted <laughs> so good. I was just like, this can't, this can't be, it's pressurized, right? We can't do that. How, how are you guys doing it? But it tasted so good, but it was cool. It was like, you know, we're take the private flight, go land, got to go stay at a hotel. It was just an amazing trip. And then the very first day we go over to um, uh, the park to play the Mariners. And uh, so Nelson Cruz was on the team at the time. And he knows Ken Griffey Jr. And so I'm just hanging out down in, uh, I'm just hanging out down in the uh, 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 clubhouse. And, you know, Nelson's just walking with them. And then they like wave people to come over and say hi. And this was the most starstruck that I've ever been. I was a, I was a child. I came over, I was kind of silent. And then I hit him with the Mr. Griffey. And, and it just felt so gross. <laughs> as i was saying it i'm just kind of like dude pull yourself together but he was super nice he talked to us for a little bit it was it was a good interaction but it was truly the most like starstruck i'd ever been in baseball because it's like that's the kid i watched growing up yeah. and i was just like i don't know how to address him. mr griffey <laughs> how are you doing today <laughs> no absolutely he's on that mount rushmore if you'd say like, the best center fielders of all time it's oh. him maze yeah it's a short list of the best ever so it's so so and it was just like you know Nelson Cruz and this connection and then it's just like I'm just like some peon who counts numbers over here and I'm getting to hang out with these guys I'm like what what is happening right now this is awesome 
Oh, I love it. And then the third question we have all our guests fill out again, kind of a tough one, but we'd like to allow our guests to determine a little bit of the future of the show. And if you'd like to nominate slash recommend someone else that you think is a cool baseball journey that might be a cool guy to have on the show next. Oh, man. Ooh, that's a, a good of, one. A little bit of passing the time because I know we had Tion and he said, I got you a guy, it's Josh Ruffin. And then obviously <laughs> now, if you'd like to continue the trend, go for it. Yeah, no, I, I think through, I mean, there's, you know, we've had a lot of guys come through here, which has been super nice. Um, you know, one guy that actually I might say might be worth reaching out to that you might have time, uh, Pete Mackey, who's our pitching coach. Um, so our connection is that he's the pitching coach here. Um, but he actually also, uh, coached at Duke. He actually right. coached a little bit after I did. Um, he, wonderful guy. He's a lefty and you can tell he's left-handed, which I love, <laughs> like it just bleeds from him. Um, but he's had a really cool, uh, path because he was a guy who was working our player development slot and then had the opportunity to kind of slide in and become our major league coach actually in season, um, become the pitching coach and take over. And so it's just really kind of cool to see the path that he's had. Um, you know, we've had been a chance to work together in a couple different ways, but yeah, I think, I think he might be a guy that's worth reaching out to and talking to, cause he's, he's, I'm sure he's got some cool stories to pull out himself. <laughs> no, absolutely. Well, I've had a blast talking to you. So I'm sure anyone that you'd recommend for us is going to be an absolute great guest to have on as well. But this has been a blast so far, getting to hear all about your journey, starting at Duke, ending up with the twins, Fingers crossed on a series victory this playoffs and even more for the Twins. But I'm uh, really thankful for all the time you gave me today. No, and and thank you for having me on. And like I said, I, it's this is the exciting time of the year, like you were talking about with the, the walk-ons. Like just before this season starts, like I, it's so cliche, but I would give anything to go back to those days, dude. It was so fun. So I, I hope this season is going well for you guys too. Um, hopefully I get a chance to kind of go home and maybe I can swing by. I know you guys are playing over at the, uh, what, Capital One Park, I think. Yep. Brand new. Yeah, yeah. So good. <laughs> exactly. So that sounds pretty sick, actually. So no, that's awesome. So good luck to you guys. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Well, for Dylan Campione and Josh Ruffin, this has been a blast and the side is retired.